are listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host, Sutta Singh. Each week, we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging, and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So, if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you. My guests on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week are Caroline Reed's Chief People Officer and Laurent Jacquemin, Chief Customer Officer at Adenza, a global fintech company. Good morning, Caroline, and good morning, Laurent. Thank you for being guests on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Thank you, Suda. It's great to be here. Hello, Suda. Yeah, I'm very excited about what we're going to do. Okay, so let's get started. Could you please introduce yourself as to who you are and what you do? I will start. So I'm Caroline. I'm from Belgium, origin, and I lived and worked in Belgium, France, and I'm now based in the UK. I've been working since I was 21. I won't say what age I am today. You can go and figure that out. But I've worked in various roles in sales, marketing, communications, and then I ended up in the HR world in 2007. I must say that most of the time I have worked in international organizations, so I've been very exposed to different cultures, different ways of working. And it's been almost 25 years now that I've been working in the fintech industry. I'm married to a jazz musician, so a totally different world, which is actually great. And I have two daughters, one is 16 and the other one is 13. And I'm the chief people officer at Adenza since 2021. Wow. Awesome experience. There's so much over there that I'd just like to have a parallel sort of conversation, but let's get to Laurent. Sure. So my name is Laurent. I am French, as I think you would tell from the accent. I'm not going to tell you my age either, but I'll tell you the age of my children and you will see that I'm a bit older than Caro. They are more in between 20 and 30, my children. So I'm French, as I said, I'm sharing the life of a French uh, ceramic artist, which is a bit different to what I do, which is uh, great too. We are the father and mother of three plus two, if you see what I mean. And we try and see them often to compensate for a, a bit of an empty nest these days. I'm in the fintech space since the 90s, actually. I did all the way up from a 30-ish staff French software company to about 50,000 people, a US giant fintech, before landing at Calypso, that was about 4.5 years ago, and loving it, to be honest with you. I look after the customer-facing practices of Adenza, customer support, customer delivery, customer success, and cloud services. And like Caroline, I've been exposed to a great number of different cultures and nationalities throughout my career, and I have to say I love it. Brilliant. So moving on from there, we are recording this podcast on the eve of International Women's Day and for International Women's Day. Could you share Adenza's vision on gender diversity and equity? And how is this vision aligned with your organizational purpose? And also a bit maybe on how do you make sure that this is not just a tick box exercise because International Women's Day is around the corner? Who'd like to go first? I can go first. Uh, Women first, right? (laughs) So I believe that Adenza's vision on gender diversity and, and equity is pretty simple. It's really about respecting each and every individual 
in the organization for who they are and make sure that we allow each and everyone to just be themselves. I think that if if you achieve that diversity and equity balance, generally people feel that they belong in the organization. So this is something that we strive towards, is to make sure that people have this sense of belonging. So that's what I would say is how I see the diversity and equity at Adenza. Yeah, I think we're very close on that, Caroline, actually, because I think that our vision is to be simply diverse and equitable, as simple as that. It's to make sure that there is no impediment to anybody's career due to gender, ethnicity, religion, whatever. We are a truly global business with presence in, I think, more than 25 countries these days Mm -hmm. on the five continents. We've got local employees in each and every of our offices And given we are a software and services business, there is no genuine reason whatsoever for all of the roles to not be open to everybody, actually, irrespective of gender, ethnicity, and everything. So I guess it's our vision. And to your question, Suda, as to whether it's a tick box exercise or not, we're not the kind of people who just tick boxes. I mean, we don't know each other very well, but everybody in Adenza will tell you we're not looking to just tick boxes. We're really looking for action. That's interesting. So some of what you said, Laurent, segues into my next question on what are the imperatives for a global company like Adenza to be inclusive, both internally and externally. We know that customers demand it, potential employees demand it, current employees want it. And also there's a war for talent. People want to work with organizations that have some purpose and values led. So what are the imperatives According to you, what is it that makes you strive for this equity and inclusion? Sure, maybe I'll start on this one then. I think that the imperative is both internal and external, actually. Pretty simple. Internal, as I said, because again, there is no reason why any kind of role in a business like Adenza should be restricted in access based on gender, on age, on ethnicity, on religion. To be honest with you, the only criteria that we tend to recognize in terms of selection criteria are skills and experience and ability to excel in the role. That's about it. So that's kind of the internal imperative. People are looking for that. You said it, Suda, that's absolutely true. And externally, the point is that we see a real shift towards ESG, uh, including for our customers who are being regulated on that topic or start to be regulated on that topic. And they start to raise expectation with companies like us on those topics, which is why together with the kind of internal push, we're looking at that more seriously these days. Yeah, that's true. A lot of it is a shift is coming because there is so much of demand from outside also. And so it's a sustainability issue, I guess. Caroline, do you have something to add to this? Well, yeah, I totally align with what Laurent just said. And I think it's all about creating that environment where there is no judgment, where ideas are welcomed and listened to. It's being open-minded and having in mind that people have different perspectives. And so I think to be really inclusive, everyone in the organization should keep that in mind on a daily basis as they work with others in the organization. Because ultimately, if we all do that, it will drive into a higher engagement, which usually drives that sense of belonging, which again, ties it back to being an inclusive environment. So it's a mindset. And I think that at Adenza, we're in a place right now where people understand that. And we continue to build on that to make sure that we continue to reinforce that awareness with our staff at all levels in the organization. 
So moving from Edenza to the industry per se, because you work in a huge industry and it's like one of the sunrise areas and it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And it's a reality that the fintech industry, financial services, tech industry have generally been very challenging for women. It's not to say that there are no women in the industry. It's to say that women are there, but generally they are at the lower levels, concentrated at those levels. And what has been your experience at Adenza and of the industry, I'd say also? So what is your view of the industry on how it can transform or what are the challenges it faces? And then we'll come to the question on how you attract and retain talent at Adenza. All right. I think I would like to start here, Laurent. So if we look at the gender split today, because I mean, diversity and and equity goes way beyond just men and women. But if we just take that gender split, male, female in the organization at Adenza, today we've got 31% female, 69% male. And if you look at the fintech industry in general, as you mentioned, Suda, it's highly underrepresented by women. It's a real male environment, if I may say. So in general, less than 30% are females in the fintech industry. Now, this can be due to various reasons. One is that there are less applicants in the fintech industry as a starting point on the hiring side, but it is also due to a historic sort of more senior leadership teams that are male. And if you look at the fintech industry and the senior roles, there's 17% are filled by women. So actually, if you look at Adenza, we're at 31% overall, and we have 27% of our women that are in senior leadership or management positions. So we're actually better than what the industry is doing. And if you take it a step further in the fintech industry, and I looked at this survey a couple of days ago, the founders of the fintech 50 listing are 95% male and 5% female. And another information that I found in one of the surveys was that most of the fintech apps that you would find are used by men. So there really is a lower interest or maybe eagerness to work in this industry because it has been for a very, very long time managed by men. So if I look now at Adenza and our leadership, so like I said, we've got two executives on our leadership team. So that represents 20%. So we're again, slightly above the benchmark if you look at the fintech and then 27% female. So my view is that going forward, I would really like to see that shift increase so that we could get to, let's say, a 35, 65%. And if we could achieve that by the end of the year, that would be great. But I also don't want to force that because we want people, like Laurent said earlier, the people who join us and who work at Adenza, we want them to have the right skills, the right experience, the passion and drive. And if that is men or women, it doesn't really matter. But if we could get more women with those attributes, then we'd be very happy to take them on board. Yeah. Laura? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting to see that we've got those percentages at Adenda that are a bit better than the industry, and that's good. That's good to know. I don't think that we are, are going to be happy with that, Caroline, are we? We want to, no. we want to do a better <laughs> job, for sure. We'll, we always want to do we, better. 
Exactly. And the reason why we decided to launch that and allocate kind of sponsors and really start to look at it very, very seriously is precisely because we want to beat the benchmark. We're not the kind of people who love to just be at the benchmark. So that being said, I do remember if we want to share some sort of an anecdote at Venza, I did consider, I think it was like 24 months ago already, I did consider to make it mandatory to create shortlist of candidates that would have at least one female candidate in it. Started to work on that with the talent acquisition team. And the net kind of result we got at the time was that we faced a difficulty. Because at best, following that rule would make the time to create the shortlist longer because of a lack of female applicants. And sometimes actually we were not able in a reasonable period of time to find women applicants in those shortlists. And we had to break our own rule a few times just for the sake of the business because we can't wait like years before we find someone. So I think it tells a lot about the fact that indeed that industry today does not have as many women who are applicants potentially to all the jobs that we've got to offer. And that tells a large part of the story, I guess. Yeah, this is so interesting. So you've already referred to how you've been trying to attract and retain women at Edenza. Has it required innovative ways of engaging with the talent pool? Because I know that as an industry, when I speak in my role as chair, when we speak about going to places, uh, not the usual places where you go to look for your talent. You widen the pool and you go to places where women actually are. Or you look at changing how you're designing your recruitment ads or your job descriptions, because all of those things make a big difference to women's interest. Could you share some insight on that? Okay, so I can start here. I wouldn't say, apart from what Laurent just mentioned, us wanting to try to get like a short list of female candidates for each of our jobs. We haven't necessarily done like specific work or efforts to attract more women to the organization. So our genuine approach is that we're open to all applicants. But what I can say is that, and what I've heard also from women at Adenza is that we're not afraid to hire a young mom who just had twins. We're not afraid to hire a single mom. We're totally open to hire people from various backgrounds, religions, as long as, again, it ties back to them having the experience and the skills and the passion and the drive. But recently, we have now constituted an internal employee group, Women at Adenza. And so one of the things that we will put on the table with that group, which constitutes over 100 women willing to help us with moving this project forward, is to also get their input on what should we be doing to attract more women to the organization? What do they feel is important? What would make a difference or an impact? And I think it is more about, rather than a couple of heads at the top of the organization trying to figure this out, is to get the bottom up and also to rely on that internal network to spread the word externally, because all these women are also connected to other women. So this just opens up the network much, much broader. Absolutely. I think that's such a valuable group to have that network inside your organization. Laurent, do you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, I guess that when I think about that, it seems to me like we're trying to bridge the inflection point between not actively resisting in any shape or form to having women at Adenza to dealing with the passive biases. 
So since I joined the organization, I don't recall having any difficulty to attract women to Adenza, i.e. anytime my guys would have interviews with candidates, with female candidates, there is nothing in Adenza that would prevent those women to join Adenza. I've never heard about any kind of active bias of people going like, no, I'm not interested by that kind of person, that kind of gender, that kind of age and all that. I've never seen that. Mm. Now, it's great news, I guess, that we have no kind of active bias from that perspective. But the reality is that we've got passive biases. And the only example I would give, going back to the anecdote I shared with you a bit earlier today, is that you could look at people accepting to have a short list which is made of exclusively male candidates as a passive bias. And I guess that we're at that inflection point today mm. where we go like, well, maybe we should not accept that and we should do something about that. And that's, I think, where we are at today. Yeah, Laurent's response ties into my next question because passive bias is about unconscious bias and this leads to sort of microaggression stereotypes about women's abilities and generally it stymies or it causes them not to be able to thrive as much they could in an organization. So do you have some things that you are doing in order to address the systemic biases within the workplace, especially on gender? Now that you have an ERG also, they are going to be giving their inputs. Caroline, would you like to start on that? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to give their inputs. Uh, we've had two or three meetings so far, and there's plenty of ideas and anecdotes. But I think that at Adenza, we, of course, have, like any organization, our code of ethics, our internal policies. So what we want to do is make sure that we create that environment that fosters a safe environment for people where mental health is taken into account as well. We ensure that we create that awareness. And what we did in 2022 is we started to roll out webinars around emotional intelligence for managers, but also for employees. We were rolling out on March 14th, which is going to be Women's Month at Adenza. We're doing a dedicated webinar towards unconscious bias. And We'll kick it off on the 14th of March. But again, this is something that we will be rolling out on a regular basis because we do have 2,000 people in the organization. So for the word to spread, you got to repeat and repeat. So I think it is about reiterating with our people and augmenting that sense of awareness and then just being vigilant as well that when we hear something or see something is not to pretend it didn't happen or to think, oh, you know, it's okay, it was this once, it'll go away because it may be a pattern and you don't want to sit on that and do nothing. But the big piece, in my view, comes with creating that awareness so that people have it on their minds. Yeah, that's true. Laurent, do you have a thought on this? Well, not much to add because that was a pretty comprehensive answer. No, I think, again, that I've never seen since I joined the company any kind of active bias in any direction. So I don't know whether it happened or not, but I've never seen that. I, I've met with a number of people that have been in a number of meetings. So that kind of uh, has some value from that perspective. But really where we are today is to go one step further and start educating people and ourselves, right? In terms of how do you reckon, how do you identify any kind of passive biases and how you deal with that? And while I'm pretty sure that I never saw any kind of active biases, again, I couldn't be that certain that I never saw passive biases. So it's about going to that level now that we've got to deal with. Yeah, moving beyond the tick box, I guess. 
And I think, Suda, as well, if I look at being a woman in the fintech for the last 25 years, there's been a huge change and shift in how we work together and the respect and between men and women in this industry as well over the last 25 years. And I think we're on a good path where I see this really moving into the right direction. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing to recognize that you're taking action because this is a journey. It's not going to happen in a single day Uh, to take the actions and monitor and be vigilant about it. So how important are internal sponsors for aspiring women leaders in any organization and specifically at Adenza? I think it's good to have sponsors, but I would rather have everyone be a sponsor in the organization than just identify a couple. That's sort of my view on the sponsorship. I would agree that, I mean, at the end of the day, success could be defined by absolutely everybody in the organization is completely aware of those topics and acting accordingly in the right manner. So that would be a great definition of success. We said it, we are at the beginning of a journey. And from that perspective, maybe it's quite important to have still a few sponsors well identified. I think that it shows that the firm's management is very serious and committed to that topic. Having one male and one female who are both EMT members here in this podcast today, I hope demonstrates that we're willing to address this topic across genders at the top of the house. And with the right organization, I think it's going to provide us with good channels up to the way of the EMT to receive and deal with uh, DE&Y topics at the top of the house as well. So I think from that perspective, at least at the beginning of the journey, it is important to have exec sponsors. Yeah, Laurent, you are a sponsor too. I am. Yeah. I'm a so- sponsor. Yeah. So how is that? How do you live up to your sponsor responsibilities? And what does it mean to you? Well, I mean, I live it with humbleness and excitement. I think if I had to try and summarize that to the excitement, because I think that it is an interesting change to inject into the company. We've injected so many changes that are very much operational, business related and all that. That one is going to be a very interesting one to introduce and measure the success of and a lot of humbleness as well because i just want to be clear that we really understand that we're not exactly where we want to be today and so we need to understand the baseline we need to start educating people getting them to be more aware of those topics and step by step we're going to be to be there so excitement and humbleness i guess would be my summary oh that sounds really nice It's great to hear about what you're doing as an organization. And I agree with Caroline's view that at some point, you know, everybody in an organization should behave like a sponsor so that they can support people adequately. And of course, Laura, I agree with the point. At this point of the journey, it's important to have a few identified people who you can see very, very clearly in the organization. So one of the big challenges of the fintech industry or the financial services tech industry is that there are not sufficient role models in the industry. And I believe that in turn impacts the ability for aspiring young women to see themselves as leaders. And it impacts the pipeline to leadership. What are your views? How do you get those role models? Do you consider, because I've heard about and we've seen experiences where industries actually bring in role models from other sectors and industries because they probably are further on in the journey. 
So I think you're right, Suda. So historically, it's true. Like I said earlier, there's been more male role models, specifically in the fintech industry. But actually, in all industry, if you look over the last 10, 15 years, there's been a real shift. You know, even in like senior government positions, there is a study on G20 Women's Leader Index, which shows that Canada, Australia, and the UK are the three countries that have the highest percentage of females in senior official positions. All three are above 45%. So I think if we would look back 20 years ago, that would not have been the case. And I think this has a very positive impact as well on the leadership pipeline. If at a government perspective, the people that run a country where you have so many businesses showcasing like Canada, like the UK, like Australia, to have so many women in those positions, that inspires. So I think we will see that shift. It may take a little bit more time in our industry, in the fintech industry, but I'm convinced we will get there. I think very recently, correct me if I'm wrong, Laurent, but FIS, who is a giant in the fintech industry, appointed a woman CEO. So I think, you know, that is, again, a sign that this is evolving on a daily basis. And they did hire a woman for a COO position like quite a while ago as well. But it's a bit of a difficult question, I guess, with some of my English friends would say it's an interesting question. <laughs> uh, to your statement as to there are not enough role models in the industry, for sure, if you look at the data, as Caroline just said, and if you aim for the most simple equity, which would be 50-50 in terms of male and female, we're not there today. So that's just a simple mm -hmm. fact. And so fair enough. Now, implying that because of that, it's going to negatively impact the pipe of candidates is a bit of a different question to me. It certainly plays a role because you would think that if you had tons of women role models, it would probably attract more female candidates. Fair enough. But I don't think it's the only thing. And actually, I think that male can be extraordinary leaders to attract women and men, just like women can be extraordinary leaders in attracting men and women equally. At the end of the day, what you're looking for into a role model are values that, in my view, go much beyond, again, gender, religion, and age. You're looking for values uh, like the passion, uh, like the drive, to Caroline's point earlier, like the vision, and that does not relate to when men or women or any other kind of religious or ethnicity criteria either. I've been inspired to a certain extent by women in a large number of occasions, and that has nothing to do with the fact that there were women, actually. It had to do with the fact that they did something that I was like, wow, that is the kind of thing I want to do, that is the kind of person I want to be, that is the kind of idea I would like to have. And so, fact speaking, we're not there. Whether it completely impacts the ability to attract women for leadership role, I'm not completely convinced, to be honest with you. I would just like to add on to that. I think, like Laurent said, he's been inspired by women. I've been hugely inspired as well by men who had this approach and attitude where they trust or trusted me that I had the capabilities to go above and beyond and kind of pushed me and took me out of my comfort zone where I would not naturally have gone. But having their support really helped me to step up. And I think that's important to recognize as well that, you know, men can be hugely inspiring 
to women as well, if they give them the opportunity to flourish and to go above and beyond and have that trust and see those capabilities. That's true. So I'll just flip the question. So you've set out some vision for yourself as an organization. How do you monitor progress against a vision so that you are not accused at some point in time of just ticking a box or following a trend that is on and not just there for International Women's Day? So like we said, we're at sort of the beginning of the journey and we want to make sure that we do this right. So the only point of measure that I could say is the statistics we have of how many women you yeah. know, maybe leave the organization and how many women join the organization. But those are just numbers. I think twice a year we do an engagement survey. And in that engagement survey, there are questions around people's sense of belonging, the respect people have for each other. And generally, we score really high on those, whether it is for men and for women. But at the same time, these questions are not specifically formulated in a way that is addressing or asking a question like, how do you feel as a woman in our organization? Do you feel you belong here, etc.? So I think there's probably room again for some improvement there and some food for thought for us to look at how do we Uh, want to measure it going forward. And again, I think I would rely on our internal women at Adenza group to work with them as well on what would be the best way. That sounds like a genuine sort of plan (laughs) and a good plan. (laughs) So, you know, if you look at the past couple of years, just the pandemic and what's been happening, things have changed. Business has changed. People have changed. How we work has changed. And the definition of what it means to be a good leader that has also changed or is evolving, you know, the command and control or to be that leader who everyone just defers to, that deference has sort of moved. And there is a lot of conversation around inclusive leadership. What does that mean in reality? It's a very interesting question. I think that it probably starts by trying to be as self-aware as you can be. And as I said a bit before, to be humble about that, because all of us, it's a true fact, have some level of bias. Hopefully very small ones, but it's likely we've got some. And so to me, it starts by being humble and self-aware to the extent that you can. And then I guess it has a lot to do with having a lot of curiosity towards other, other cultures, other religion, other expertise and all that, right? Because it's a true fact for sure that non-diverse teams usually get to lower results and not as good results as do very diverse teams. So having that in mind, you want to make sure that you indeed deal with the diversity. And then it's about, I think, enforcing the mindset and the culture in the workspace. It's to never accept decisions that would be based on gender, religion, ethnicity, and just accept decisions that are doing the right thing in terms of skills and experience, as we said before. So you start with self-awareness. You feel like being very curious for the others and very open-minded for others' approaches. And you make sure that you enforce such a mindset into your organization. That would be my answer. Yeah, and I think, you know, I totally echo what Laurent is saying. I'm not going to repeat. But I think what you mentioned in the beginning, Suda, about this whole pandemic, how it has changed the work from home. What does that mean for a leader or a manager in an organization? I think it has a huge impact. And I think that the role of a leader has dramatically changed 
since the pandemic, where previously we were expecting managers to run an operational business, hit targets, get projects delivered with a team, has shifted to a very different dynamic of becoming a true inclusive people manager with emotional intelligence, with that self-awareness, and taking into account people's personal environments, priorities, preferences, especially if you're working in a virtual environment. So you need to have your antennas out even more than when you're actually working with someone in an office on the same site. So I think there's that shift as well of managers becoming real people leaders. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's also that, yeah, people don't look up to you or fear you because of your designation. And I think that technology has played such an equalizer role because when you look at, you know, being on a Zoom call or a Teams call, everyone is in the same room at the same place. None of the rooms are bigger or smaller. So I think it puts you amongst people. And if you are empathetic and people see you as someone who listens to them, who understands them or is trying to at least. I think those are significant things for inclusive leaders. We're at the last question. So very quickly, what would your advice be to women wishing to pursue a career in fintech? Yeah. I mean, my answer would be very simple. If you're not yet at a Denza, come join us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would be almost along the same lines. I think what I would say is go for it. There is no reason why you wouldn't succeed. Just like for everybody, what I would tell people is carefully choose the company that you want to work for. Be explicit as to the criteria that matter to you. Do your research, ask questions during the interview process and choose carefully and then find sponsors or bosses that are actively promoting what makes sense for you, be it those DENY criteria or anything else actually, right? And then excel and you will succeed. There is no mystery here. And by the way, if you listen to what I just said, I'm not sure I would give a very different advice to men and women from that very perspective. Yeah, no, it's because there are fewer women. So, you know, I think the industry as a whole needs to do something that will attract more women. I said it was the last question, but I want to ask you just one more. What would your clarion call be for International Women's Day for the women at Adenza? I think since we're at the beginning of this journey with the women group at Adenza, I think we absolutely want to start with a sign of appreciation of having all these women at Adenza and how grateful we are to have them. So I think it's really showing that appreciation at this point in time, recognizing that we're happy they're here. That's amazing. I think what I would Uh, tell them, thinking about it, I think I would tell them, work with us. We're very serious about that. Let's make it happen. Amazing. Amazing. This has been so brilliant. Such an interesting conversation about it and the industry and generally about equity and inclusion. Thank you for sharing your experiences and insights and stories. It's been a brilliant conversation and I'm sure people beyond Adenza will find a lot of value in listening back to this podcast. Thank Thank you, Suda, for having invited us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, don't forget to write a review and tell your friends. Sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs, and events. 
And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.